afternoon or morning, I realize at whatever time you're listening to this, um, this is a, di- a Riddles in the Dark, Dark Digest 2.04, and I am Trish Lambert, your um, friendly co-host for Riddles in the Dark, and also your friendly co-host for Riddles in the Dark Digest, along with my other friendly co-host, Laura Burkholz. Hello, Laura. Hello. We're a very friendly bunch here. Yes, we are. We're a very friendly bunch. Um, not not illustrious as some of not, our colleagues are. Just not right. illustrious. That's right. And we're, you know, if we need Dave to be like, it's the best digest episode podcast episode on on the internet. That's uh, right. You don't need to listen to anything else, including right. that other podcast that doesn't have the digest in its name. That's right. Oh, by the way, I mean, you know, it's we're doing this on on the on the 29th of April, so everybody knows this because we're I'm going to timestamp us here a little bit. So Laura um, has posted the penultimate Silmarillion seminar episode. I have on the site. I mean, it's kind of winding to a close. Are you are you going to have like you know emptiness syndrome after this is done? You know, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit, and in fact, I already have emptiness syndrome because. If you do listen to the episode, you'll realize that at the end, and I hope this isn't giving anything away, we actually lost the last episode. Oh. It's the lost episode. It's so lost. Uh, the Silmarillion heirs and Dr. Olson are hopefully, in the not-too-distant future, going to get together and record another last oh, awesome. episode. So. Oh, that would be great. Well, yeah. hopefully it will. So, yeah. Oh, that's. That's too bad. It's, oh, yeah, you know, our, our, the uh, really, um, uh, in fact, one of the people, one of our listeners today wrote on Facebook that um, she scared both her husband and her cat when she jumped out of bed saying, the next, the next summer only seminar is up. So when she gets to the end of that episode, she, she may weep. She may, she may cry. She may cry. But the wait probably won't be as bad as it's been. And, and I do want to apologize a little bit because we were doing something we thought would speed up the flow of the episodes and it ended up and it ended up taking a lot longer than anybody thought. So that was doing the intros. That was doing having people do the intros. That (laughs) took a long time. So but we are done now and and we just need to get everybody together to record. And this seminar is ageless. I mean, this is an evergreen seminar. I mean, this book, you know, 20 years from now, this seminar will still be applicable given, you know, that it's about the Silmarillion. So, well, I mean, exactly. I, I, the book came out, what, 40 years ago? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'll be listening to it again, you know, either in parts or in whole when I, you know, go back to refer to the Silmarillion because, you know, you guys went into such detail that I think it's really gold. Um so, so that's the first thing that's time-stamped. The second thing that's time-stamped is um, on the 27th, so 27th, which was two days ago, our, our illustrious Dave Kale of the Dave, Dave Kale World Dominance Network got um, married. Yes, he, he did. Wonderful fiance, Teresa, and I was present at the wedding and, in fact, represented all of Dave's internet Tolkien uh, fans by doing um, a reading that was an excerpt and kind of a of a abridgment or you know what 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 would you call that we did sort of a an excerpt yeah, yeah. of the Baron and Luthien of, of a piece of the Baron and Luthien story yes it and, was very uh, very romantic very romantic well the funny part was that Dave as Laura knows because we've been doing this with him Dave had kind of been you know editing and asking advice and whatnot and we kind of got the reading down and it it has to do with the part where Baron is. Um, 
has left Luthien to go fight Morgoth, and he wants to leave her in Doriath to be safe, and she mm-hmm. will have none of that and comes after him and basically says, look, buddy, you know, you are, you, you got me no matter what you decide to do or what you do, and I'm not, you know, I'm not leaving, I'm not staying behind anymore, and he's, he's kind of both concerned and relieved, and then they go off, and she actually kicks butt and rescues him, so. Um, she does. It's a good thing she came along. Good thing she came along, yeah. <laughs> so, so Dave had left quite, you know, a lot of it out because basically we said, you know, a lot of people in the audience aren't going to know names and, you know, there's a lot of sort of other surrounding things that really don't need to be part of the reading. So I had to laugh because they had what they called a non-rehearsal dinner on Friday night. Um, and um, so uh, Dave read from the Lay of Lathian. Uh, the Baron and Luthien story, and I'm like, you, you sucker, you know, you're you're adding in all the stuff that you took out for the reading by doing that, and then also, yes, and then also during the ceremony, um, instead of writing their own vows, what they did was they wrote letters to each other, and they gave them to the celebrant to read, and I think in true day form, he must have you know, given the letter like right before the ceremony because it was obvious the celebrant had not read the letter before. And it was all longhand writing, three pages to like Teresa's one page. And so the guy um, who's a retired, this is so funny for me to say this, a retired Roman Catholic priest, he retired so that he could get married. Mm. So he's he's a celebrant, you know, like he does non-denominational services or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for a fee. But it was still very... You know, it was still very religious. I mean, it was still there was very a lot of religious. In fact, when I read the reading for Baron and Luthien, he kind of like looked at me funny, looked at the group, and goes, "Well, it is holy." <laughs> <laughs> and then so when he's reading the the letter, so Dave goes on for three pages. Oh my Dave goodness! Writing the Baron and Luthien story. Dave is not at a lack of words. He okay. is he, very yeah. rarely speechless. <laughs> he is, and he basically, you know went on about how she's his Luthien and how why, you know, the Baron Luthien story is so um so, you know, apropos to them and so he went on and he, he named Luthien and he named Morgoth and he named the film roles and at the very end he called her my Tenuvial and the poor guy didn't know how to pronounce any of those names. <laughs> oh, really? Oh my goodness. Well I have to say one thing for um for uh Teresa. She is a good sport. She is and I had to laugh. She is not a big Tolkien fan. No, she's not. <laughs> and she, and she, it's kind of like this fond quirk that she puts up with, kind of. You know what I mean? It's like she's fond of. Oh, in fact, in her letter, her letter was all about why we're good together and that we push each other and that we, you know, are there for each other. You know, it was a lot of that. And so she, I loved, I'll love you forever, Teresa. And then there was a P.S. And she goes, P.S. I know you, you'd be disappointed if there wasn't at least one Tolkien reference in this letter. And, and I mean, a number of us just cracked up laughing. And she says, so here it is. You will always be my Baron, and I will always be your Luthien. And I just thought that was so cute. That is very cute. And then when – and actually, this is, I did the reading prior to this letter. Um, when he announced that we're going to have readings and that Trish would, you know, give the first reading, I stood up and I said an excerpt from The Silverling by J.R. Tolkien. And you know, I could hear people in the audience, certain ones that knew – we're snickering. <laughs> we're like, of yeah. course it would be. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's great. Small venue, and it was a beautiful bunch of people, and Dave kicked butt doing the wedding dance. You know, he's actually a ballroom dancer. I saw the video. 
Very uh, impressive. He and his sister actually ran like a swing group when they were at Stanford. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and he's good. He's good. He's a man of many talents. Many talents definitely Renaissance man. So yeah, so it, it, I I did I posted the video of their first dance up on the Riddles in the Dark page. So and also the Tokyo Professor page. So please, if you haven't looked, go look. It's really wonderful, and they're just a lovely, lovely couple. So it was really nice, and I I really was kind of you know I actually said because um, he he acknowledged the night before when he did the reading he also posted it from people and he acknowledged me coming. And I said, yes, I'm representing, you know, the hundreds of fans that Dave has on, you know, through this thing. And everybody, like, was like, whoa. <laughs> so I'm here on behalf of all those people. And, yeah, it was really cute. It was it was just a wonderful thing. I'm really glad I came out for it. His, his yeah. mother and sister are just so nice, just really nice. His dad didn't make it, but um, his mom and sister. And, oh, and his sister was his, his best man. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, and best in, woman. Well, yeah, and in seven weeks. He will be his her. He will be her Mister of Honor. Oh, funny! <laughs> yeah, they're, really close. they're only thirteen months apart, so they're like really, really close. And it's oh, just, wow, that's really neat. So anyway, so that's yeah. you know that's it on that. So, um, so let's talk about uh, episode two point oh four. Um, the riddle. The riddle. The episode was uh, was about the spider sequence. In mm-hmm. the- Though the riddle really was more about um, how the dwarves and the elves would 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 be colliding, you know, and and at what mm-hmm. point in the spider sequence would they be doing so? It was kind of like you know when we went to set out to do a a, a riddle, it was really you know what are you going to ask about the spider? But really, what's more you know like how under what circumstances will the dwarves be captured by the wood elves? But you know, of course, we know that it's around the you know the spider sequence. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you actually had some questions, right, about about the riddle in terms of. Uh, well, yes, I was I was wondering because in the book, the the dwarves are well and free of the spiders completely before the before the elves show up. So I was thinking, you know, what it, the riddles themselves say? Um, the do the elves. Um, rescue the dwarves from the spider web casings. Do they actually, you know, cut the spider, cut right. the dwarves out of the casings? Well, I thought, what if it's something in between? What if the the you know Bilbo gets the dwarves out of the spider webs, but um, the elves come and actually rescue them from the hundreds of spiders that are that chasing would, them? That would be still be a. That would still be a. Yeah, and okay. so that, and that's the reason we did it that way, so that it, it was like what we're talking about here is is you know, do the elves actually cut the dwarves out of the casings, or are they already freed out of the casings by the time the elves show up? And the reason, you know, we've kind of inferred, and I think it's safe to infer, based on what Jackson's released to us so far, and also the Lego playset, mm-hmm. <laughs> which Tower yeah. Elf and, you know, Legolas are part of that spider playset, that somewhere in the spider sequence, the elves do show, show up, up. And they yeah. appear to fight. Okay. Along with them. Yeah. And, you know, we could be and completely wrong, but I think it's a safe bet. I thought I heard something, too, that uh, you said there's a picture of Thorin with them, too. He's not with them in the book. He's right. been captured by the elves before anybody else does. Right. So that's another one, which is that it, it appears that Thorin is, is going to be captured along with everybody else. Yeah. I mean, that Which, makes sense to me. It does, too, because, you know, you gotta you have to compress it somewhat. Right. Why not have them all get captured at the same time? 
Yeah, and I mean, what does it do to the story to have him captured with the dwarves versus not with the dwarves? I mean, you know, it's just yeah. there's no real story. You know, there's no pivotal thing in the story that you know that matters. So yeah, I mean, I could see him taking that out. And yeah, I think somebody actually during our episode had told us because I think we brought that up, didn't we? During the episode, and somebody yeah. wrote in and it said, "Hey, there's a picture of Thorn with with uh, mm-hmm. with his hair." I'm like, okay, well, that's probably that solves that one. Yeah, Don't ask that for a riddle. <laughs> So that you know, the question that we were kind of bringing out in this episode, in terms of the spiders, well, there was a few things. You know, the other thing that we had toyed with in terms of the riddle had to do with what Jackson had shared in an interview about how the spiders communicate, um, and the fact that Bilbo will understand what the spiders, how the spiders are communicating, what they're saying when he has the ring on, mm-hmm. and kind of were like, well, you know, is there a riddle there? But we, there really wasn't. You know, it's. First of all, we're trying to kind of tie the book in to the riddle yeah. to some degree. And also, it just didn't make for a riddle. You know, I guess it could have been a conundrum, although we have a different conundrum that we're going to do. But um, but that is another piece. You know, so it wasn't just, you know, elves, you know, how are they going to encounter the elves, but also what is the spider stuff going to be like? And, you know, is Bilbo going to – and this is when – and the other one we've seen is when he's staring at Sting. You know, so we're assuming, I, I think, that he's going to be naming Sting – or mm-hmm. somehow or another, he's going to have a whole, you know, new level of appreciation of his sword during this, during this sequence. So, yeah, well, I'm hoping they'll, they'll follow at least somewhat like the book where Bilbo yeah. is the hero and rescues the dwarves, um, you know, in, including Thorin, hopefully. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, because that's, that's his pivotal point in the book where he really starts to starts right. to take over. Now, in the movie, they've already had him kind of rescue or try to rescue Thorne earlier. Right. You know, but, but this is his chance to really actually rescue them without eagles coming in or Gandalf or anybody else to, to save the day. Yeah, and also, I think we're going to get, you know, this will be, it's, I would say it's probably going to be our first chance in movie two to see him, you know, using the ring. Because um, I, I can't think nothing really before that would uh, would fall upon him using the ring. I know it didn't in the book. Yeah, and you know, I mean, understanding the spiders, that kind of makes sense if you think about when Frodo put the ring on. You know, he sort of he could see the Nazgul, and that sort of world became clear. And and these spiders are not not exactly like the book. And in the book. They seem to be just black spiders walking around Mirkwood. Well, in the movie, they seem to be like more enchanted spiders. You remember? And also they were... definitely connected to Sauron. Yeah. So yeah. you know, so that the putting the ring on will connect Bilbo right. to Sauron and to his servants. So I guess it it, it makes sense. We'll have to see. Well, you we'll know, have to I, see I, how it plays. Also, you're gonna do it. I mean, you can't really have the spiders be mute. I, I mean, I suppose he could he could try having the spiders be mute, but I just don't think it would be as as interesting a scene. Um, and you can't have them talking like they do in Rankin Bass. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, so, yeah, I think to make them more um, to make them more animated, to make them more seem more more like evil spirits. Right. They have to be saying something. Right. Right. Also, I would imagine that, because in the book, I believe their conversation also drives Bilbo's strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, that's the other thing, too. It's like, you know, I think you kind of need that. So I'm kind of glad they went that direction. I think that almost really is the only one that makes sense. I mean, I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping it comes off well in the movie and not cheesy or, you know, unbelievable. I think they'll do a good job. They have so and, far. You know, with, I mean, Bilbo's already been a kamikaze, you know, when he went after the orc and, um, you know, like you said, you know, he's already kind of had that hero turn. But I, I'm, I'm thinking that we'll probably see this as a deepening and also of a way of, uh, assuming that Thorin is with them, another way of, uh, you know, uh, deepening the bromance between Thorin and, and Bilbo. <laughs> the bromance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which will end badly. Yes, in the third movie. And actually, Armitage has talked about that. And I, I, I have gathered, personally, although I suppose that's up to interpretation, but in his interviews, it seems to me that what's going to happen in movie two is this relationship between them is going to deepen. Mm-hmm. So that it becomes all the more dramatic when he, quote-unquote, when Bilbo, quote-unquote, betrays Thorin in movie three, and Thorin, you know, is going to have yeah. this really violent reaction to that. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Had to think about it in terms of you know story development and mm-hmm. especially movie. I mean that makes sense. So the riddle. Um, let's see. So let let me go ahead and read the riddle out loud. And I'm thinking we do a little something a little bit different. Was let's let's we have only three Mythgard entries this time, and but they were all relatively long, right? Yes, they are. And let's let's let me read the riddle and then let's go to the Mythgard comments and then you can kind of you know run through some of them and we can maybe stop and give our, you know, our opinions if, you know, if we have any about any of this stuff. So, Riddle 2.04, under what circumstances will the dwarves be captured by the wood elves? So the choices are, A, the elves are sent out specifically, and I'm adding some words here, but specifically sent out to capture the dwarves, and they do so after the dwarves are free from the spiderweb casing, meaning that the elves don't have anything to do with freeing the dwarves from the spiderweb casing. And this is Mm -hmm. closest to the book answer. Of all, of all of them, as usual, in our tradition. B is the elves are sent out to capture the dwarves. They still are specifically sent out to capture the dwarves, but they have to rescue them from the spiderweb casing. So the elves, either in toto or helping Bilbo or, you know, however, they have, they actually set sword to spider casing, you know, in some form. Um, and then C is the elves, it's basically the same choices in terms of they have nothing to do with freeing them or they help free them. But the difference being that the elves encounter the dwarves by chance or are seeking them benevolently after they are free from the spider casing, and that's C. The difference here being that they're not, they have, Thranduil has not sent out the elves specifically to capture the dwarves. Mm-hmm. It's more like they're on a mission of their own, you know, they're on a, maybe a scouting party or something and they happen upon the dwarves. Or they know the dwarves are there and Thranduil has said, God, you know, go get them and, you know, mm-hmm. harm's way. Yeah. D is that same thing. They encounter the dwarves by chance or seek them benevolently, and they rescue them from the. They actually do rescue them, or or at least participate in rescuing them from the spider casings. So those are the four choices, and I can't remember what I answered. I have to go over and look. Um, so let's go to this. To the. I thought you said C. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I. Yeah, I think I said C because I believe that they just happen on them. You know, in other words, it's not a. It's not a um, purposeful, you know, they're not, they, yeah. they're not out seeking the dwarves to take them ca- captive. Um, that what we talked about, and I think this is probably true, is that the elves encounter the dwarves by chance and that Thorin ticks them off. 
with his attitude, and then they take him, you know, take him, it's like, finally they take him prisoner and take him back to Thranduil, and, like, he insults them. Um, so I can I mean, see the ins- insulting, yes, definitely. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, I don't need your help, or, you know, whatever, and, you know, you know you're trespassing, and he'll get all lippy. It may even be Lego. Because <laughs> I think we see, I, I may be imagining this, but it seems like I remember seeing some scenes that seem to imply that Legolas is actually somehow involved in the spider sequence. Well, yeah, isn't Legolas uh, part of the party that goes out? I think so. I mean, I I don't think we know absolutely for sure, but I think well, we've seen... Isn't he in the Lego set? Oh, well, yeah, he is. That's right. He and Tauriel are both in the Lego set. So, yeah. yeah. And that might be why I'm assuming that. Yeah. So I see, you know, Thorin, like, he insults Legolas' father, and that's the last straw, you know, and he, he binds him and takes him into the, you know, into... The, the woodland kingdom. Um, anyway, so uh, actually, I'll tell you what. Let me do this. Let me read Mark Fisher's first, and then we okay. can go, we'll go to the thing. So I want to read Mark Fisher's Encyclopedia of Arda. He's given a really nice um, um, uh, commentary here. So he says, I suppose the underlying question here is, how do the dwarves end up captured by the spiders in the first place? The precise logic of the book probably wouldn't work in the movie version, but on the other hand, I can hardly see the dwarves randomly wandering off the path without the elves being involved somehow. So while I doubt we'll see the encounter working exactly as it does in the original, I'll presume that we'll still see the dwarves interrupting the elves somehow, then becoming lost in the woods. It seems to follow that the elves won't reappear later by chance. Given how Peter Jackson likes to play up character conflicts, I think we'll see something of that kind here. For example, Thranduil's instinct will be to leave them to their fate, but Legolas will disobey his father and, re- and lead a ragtag rescue mission. That solves a lot of problems. It keeps the elves as a threat without undermining Legolas' character too badly, and it also explains why the elves would allow the dwarves to become lost in the woods in the first place. So let's assume that happens. I'm not completely sure how that feeds into your options, since really the rescue party would be benevolent in the sense that they don't want to leave the dwarves to the spiders while still fully intending to capture them. I'll assume that, what else could they do with them? I'll assume that capture takes precedence. As for the timing of the rescue, my feeling is that the simplest version of events, dwarves get captured by spiders, elves rescue them, is a bit lacking in, oops, is a bit lacking in drama. I just, I just scrolled way too far down. Um, Yet the elves do seem to need some kind of role. I guess we'll see something a little closer to the book. Bilbo shows some of the same heroism, making a daring stand, and maybe even rescuing a few of the dwarves. If we then take a slight diversion from the original, the spiders can regroup and events suddenly turn hopeless before Legolas and friends appear at the last moment to save the day, giving Bilbo a chance to vanish and preserve the overall narrative of the book. I confess I'm not absolutely sure how all that fits in with your options, but if I'm following things correctly, that's my first A of the new series. Hurrah! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, um, you know, they're obviously not going to do, well, I don't think they're going to do the whole feast thing where, you know, they stumble across these big feasts and then the lights go out. Um, But, you know, maybe they do see just some lights off the path and maybe that just leads them off the path enough that they, um, that they fall into the path of these spiders. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. um, thought of that you know and we we actually i guess the three of us really didn't think of it because how do they get off the path in the first place um yeah something has to happen to yeah. to get them off the path unless the spiders just attack them on the path 
which doesn't seem very likely. Um, well, it's possible too, I suppose. It's possible. But it's possible. But so then, but then, yeah, you know. Stuff. So you know, I mean, there's got to be some kind of stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, I know we, we talked about that with regard to the, the to the heart or deer or whatever the heck it is could be mm-hmm. what causes bomber to fall. Well, then it. you know the other thing is, is this all going to take place at night? Ah, it'd be awfully hard to film if it was taking place in pitch black. Well, you'll so have, you know. Um, but then again, the trolls—that was the middle of the night too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that was a time too. So, so he'll have. He'll have yeah, I, I guess I have a couple of questions. If it's going to deviate from the book, yeah, first of all, how are they going to get the dwarves lost in the woods, right. you know, unless there is something that leads them off the path? And then how are the elves going to know that they're in the woods? You know, I mean, it's it, – the second one could almost be like a Lothlorien type of answer. I mean, they just they just know they're there because that's okay. the elves' woods and they know everything that's going on. So – I think the chances of them, you know, running across the dwarves by chance, to me, that just doesn't seem very elvish, at least the way the elves. Well, benevolent. The choice is either by chance or benevolently. Or benevolently. Yeah. Not not specifically to capture them. Yeah, I I don't know. I think with the way Thrandall feels about elves and Legolas, too, um, or I'm sorry, about dwarves. It's it's hard to think that they would be well completely you know, benevolent. I mean, you know, the elves aren't gonna. The elves are a benevolent people. Um, they're they're good people, as Tolkien likes to likes to keep saying. So they're you know not gonna catch them to kill them or anything like that. But they're not gonna let them run around the woods either. Well, I admit, I will admit that since I saw this. Since I we did this episode, I you know we saw the Peter Jackson sneak preview, and mm-hmm. there's a there's a scene of Thranduil being particularly snarky, you know, lounging across his antler throne and saying something like, you know, what is you know what are you know what the heck are you doing in my wood? Basically, I mean he's you know, so um, but you know because I answered C, <laughs> I'm still holding. You're on. committed. That the judges might deem what, however, the you know the party that finds the dwarves, you know Legolas's party, might deem them at least you know seeking them benevolently. I'm, you know, I've got my fingers crossed, and that what yeah. may happen instead, you know, they they are seeking them benevolently. But Thorin is such a butthead to Legolas, <laughs> Legolas gets ticked off, and then they you know they capture him and take him. Um, you know, the, the original intent might have been seeking them benevolently to have them come as guests to the Elven Kingdom. And the more you're talking, the more I realize it's unlikely, because and it, especially given Thranduil's demeanor in that sneak preview, he doesn't seem particularly friendly. But the other thing is, is you know, I mean, I think maybe I always thought this in the book, or do you remember, I mean, what, Tolkien really never, in, in, you know, told us what the Elven King actually planned to do with the dwarves. And we well, still- he, he wanted them to tell him what they were doing in ah. his woods. So, in in that case, the movie does follow the book and he you know he doesn't he he says you know you you, you can rot in my dungeon until you tell me right. what's going on right right so and as it turns out later you, you know the the elven king has uh, feels like he has a stake in the dragon's uh, treasure right. so maybe thranduil is kind of guessing what's going on right right okay yeah that whole thing is going to be really interesting to see well let's 
look at um, the Midgard page. Dennis is our first one up. Um, want me to read that one? Yeah, please do. And if you want to, we can stop at logical places if it makes uh, sense. Okay. From Dennis, my two cents. Elvish feast. The whole elvish feast interruption sequence is not going to happen, for the practical reason that it works in the book because of the dark. The movie is not going to have that dark. Like Moria and like what we've seen of Mirkwood already, the light levels have to be high enough for us to see the action. So the whole torches go out and it's dark thing just isn't going to work. Well, like I said, you could you could see they can light it enough so that you could see. Sure. But I just think I just think that that whole sequence is going to be too. It's it's going to stop the action too much if they do yeah, it. Yeah, like it's too much time. I mean, I, again, <laughs> I could see yeah. kind of like a will o' the wisp fairy like. Yeah, thing. exactly. That's what that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I don't think I don't think we're going to see the elvish feast. I yeah. you know most we'll see some other kind of fairy thing happen, but yeah. And then, will Thorn be captured alone? I say not. If he were captured, the other dwarves would rush to his aid and fight to the death. Unless he volunteered to go find help, which would be futile. I mean, why would he think help was nigh after weeks of wandering? No, I can't imagine any way Peter Jackson could accomplish this. And again, it's because we will not have that over- overpowering dark in the film. So the confusion and separation of the dwarves will not happen like that. I think the dwarves will not speak to Thranduil until they are present to him as captives. They may see him from afar, perhaps, but I don't think they'll interact until out of the forest. Yeah, well, yeah I, I if think... If you take away the feast, then you basically take away the circumstances under which Thorin gets captured. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. As for the elves, and whether they were there by chance or not, I say by chance. How would, oh, the, <laughs> how would the elves know a party of dwarves wandering were wandering through the forest. I say it was a chance meeting, if chance you call it. I say rather it was meant to be. The elves may have been out hunting, gathering intelligence, or perhaps Legolas and Tariel were out for a moonlight stroll. You know, that's probably not true. As for the rest, I think Dave has it right. This scene needs to allow Bilbo the time to shine and be the up-and-coming hero. It also needs action, near catastrophe and you catastrophe. So Bilbo will free the dwarves, fight off the spiders, but the tide will turn, and just as it seems all is lost, the elvish horns will sound and or arrows will fly. Legolas will slide down a tree on a shield and save the day. The elves will defeat or fend off the attack and take the exhausted, injured dwarves captive. After Helm's Deep in the Two Towers, elves in the spider battles seem quite acceptable by comparison. I I agree. I think that's I think that's the most likely thing too. I think that the elves are going to save save the dwarves and save Bilbo. I think the near catastrophe catastrophe thing is going to happen. Yeah. it's just too tempting not to do that. Yeah, and I mean it follows with how Jackson's done. You know, it's sort of his formula anyway. Um, and I have we did see I think in the sneak preview, Legolas did slide. I don't think it was shield surfing necessarily, but he did like slide some you know he did kind of like a surfing thing did he <laughs> yeah and i don't know if it's i don't know if it's in this sequence or not but uh, you know i had to kind of laugh because it's like oh please um but you know i think his point that's you know in his earlier where he was saying he thinks it's by chance i mean that's that's kind of where i've been like the elves may have been out hunting gathering intelligence you know it was a sortie sent out 
on for their own on their own business. You mm-hmm. know, what the spiders are up to, and they they happen on the dwarves. they happen on the dwarves. Yeah, which I think could be. You know, granted, it could be. Uh, you know, I think was it Mark who said that you know Randall knows what goes on in the forest and. I don't know. Maybe not. You know, I mean, I don't think he has a mirror like Galadriel does. So, I mean, how That's would true. He, he's not, he's not as omniscient as Galadriel right. appears yeah. to be. It, this would be interesting to see, you know, because yeah. I do think it's either they're sent out on purpose or they happen upon them. So we'll have to see. But yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Well, Dennis, you know, that, thanks Dennis. Cause that was all really well thought out. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the next comment from Michael Lucero, I wouldn't be too quick to dis dismiss the elvish feast purely on the darkness reason we could have equally and just as justifiably said the same thing about the entire moria sequence and yet they were able to pull off a convincing impression of darkness even though there was light to see the characters i can very easily see it happening this is an interesting question because as y'all said any of the options are equally likely he's got to be a southerner <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that I'd like to see the more eerie aspect of the elves but Peter Jackson seems to think of them quite differently than that I'm going with A I think I've given oh, oh, yeah oh, he gave up Facebook for Lent so he's a good Catholic yeah. I'd also love to see a whole there's another side to the story thing with Thranduil and Thorin especially since I don't think his appearance with the whole entire army and then the decision not to help after all since it's not like he didn't know there was an army worthy danger there he wouldn't have just been taking his army out for a casual jaunt doesn't make much sense as it now stands but I'm not terribly optimistic in light of the description of Legolas doing the right thing it makes more sense, continuity-wise, to have Thranduil be the wise, patient one and Legolas be the hot-headed, dwarf-hating one who eventually learns to trust them from his interactions with Gimli. But it seems that's the opposite of what they're doing. Pity, since the whole father is old-fashioned and prejudiced, while younger son is open-minded thing, yeah. is a bit stale and doesn't fit well with Tolkien's story. But you know, that's... yeah... That's true, but you know, our sympathies are going to be with Legolas, so, you know, we can't really have Legolas being a jerk. Well, the other thing is, um, I don't remember, I I rewatched the the, uh, Council of Elrond in the the movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, relatively recently, and I was watching specifically for, you know, what does Gimli say, what does Legolas say, what's the nature of their interaction there? Because that sort of sets the tone for this sort of, you know, they don't get along kind of thing. And actually, Legolas isn't particularly um, uh, aggressive or, or, you know, mean to Gimli. It's the other way around. You know, Gimli's like, no elf is going to take Never trust an elf. Exactly. (laughs) Legolas doesn't really, you know, rise to the bait. That's true. I recall he doesn't really voice any any bad feelings toward dwarves. So, you know, in terms of Jackson being, you know, true to his films, you know, continuity purposes, I don't think, I think Legolas could be um, either way. I mean, he could go either way, but I think he, he's, I think probably the open, I think he's right. I think this old father's old fashioned and prejudice while younger son is open minded is yes. be there. Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah, that well, Thrandall was uh, 
old-fashioned and prejudiced in the book. That's true. And, you know, it's not a lover of dwarves. Right. And we think about the fact that Thranduil, or as Corey reminds us, the Elven King, because he wasn't named Thranduil in in The Hobbit, um, is modeled a bit upon Thingol, too. So, you know, we get a little bit of that legacy. Yes. And we we all know Thingol's uh, views on on dwarfs. I wish I could remember what he said. The uh, ill-formed and... Yes. I forget. You mean just before he died? (laughs) Yes. Just before, yeah, he said it to a room full of dwarves, how ill-formed and unworthy they were, and then they killed him. (laughs) I wonder if they'll put a version of that into Thranduil's speech in the movie. I mean, I I really think... Oh, that would be great, yeah. But I wonder if that'll be an Easter egg, that there's enough there's enough similarity to what Thranduil says that those of us who've read the Summerland would, would recognize it. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, maybe, except uh, the screenwriters have said that they haven't read the Summerland in so long because they don't have the rights to it. So they're on purpose not bringing anything from it. So we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And then we have Sarah Watson, who actually has something a little different to say. Mm-hmm. So... She says, I have an idea about the capture of the dwarves by the elves that makes sense with all the pictures and character conflicts we have been privy to. I agree with Professor Olson about the capture by the spiders and Bilbo freeing some of the dwarves and having to try to lead the spiders away for a second time. However, I think that the elves are battling the encroaching evil in the forest. I think that Legolas will be leading a faction of elves that hunts down and drives the spiders away. They will attack and defeat the spiders that have captured the dwarves. Thorin will be one of the dwarves that Bilbo was able to free, while he and the others who Bilbo freed free the rest of the dwarves. Thorin realizes who it was that killed the spiders and goes after the elven party, leading the rest of the dwarves on a mission of revenge. This fits with Thorin leading a cobweb-covered dwarves party of dwarves as they attack the group of elves. Thorn is separated from the rest and is taken captive, or they are all taken captive as a group. Bilbo has followed after, still wearing the ring, and is therefore able to follow the elves and captives back to Thranduil unnoticed. Right. So that's, you know, that's that's actually, that's actually the dwarves going and attacking the elves, which I don't think anybody's mentioned before. Well, and Jen, you're right. You're absolutely right. Sarah, very smart. And, and actually, Jackson's been building this with his, you know, with Thorin's, you know, practically irrational hatred of elves. Um, mm-hmm. Movie one. So, yeah. and we know he's hot-headed. <laughs> yeah. Impulsive, you know, given yeah. his attack on Azog. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that totally, and, and it fits. I mean, all of that fits. So she's a She's a C on that one. She's a C. So that's extreme conflict on both sides. Well, that is the end of the Mythgard comments. Then we have a few more Facebook comments. Okay, from Joshua Schwigart. I answered B. My prediction is that elven scouts will be watching the dwarves progress and see them get taken by the spiders. Thranduil will decide to lead them to their fate because that seems to be what he does best. Legolas will then have to do the right thing and go after the dwarves by himself. He and Bilbo will manage to free the dwarves but be overwhelmed in the chase. 
Thranduil will have to send soldiers in to save his son, and the dwarves will end up being captured. Hmm. That's okay. interesting. Yeah. So that's so that's a B. Okay. I like his comment that Thranduil will leave them to their fate because that seems to be what he does best. <laughs> Dragon spiders, whatever. Just get rid of those dwarves. And Michael Poteet, I like B because there'd be a nice dramatic irony in the elves freeing the dwarves from the webs, only to turn around and say, no doubt in Quenya, you're under arrest. Book them, Lego, Lego laugh. <laughs> Anthony Carter, in Peter Jackson's world, elves always know what's going on. Add that with the Empire's photo of web-covered dwarves, and A seems a shoo-in. So, <laughs> I kind of, I'm kind of of that opinion too. I think the elves are going to know that they're there. So, so are you going with A, by the way? I'm going with. Oh yes, I'm going to go with A. I think that, um, I think that the elves are going to know that that they're there. Um. And uh, I think that I think that they're gonna free the dwarves from the spiders. So the the only question I have is if, if the elves know they're there, why do they let them go for so long? I I think it could be because they feel like they're maybe not going to actually go into elven territory. They're just staying on the path. Yeah. Well, you know, once they go off the path for whatever reason, right. that's when they that's when they um. I could see a scout coming back to report to Thranduil and saying there's dwarves in the woods, and Thranduil says, go get them. And, you know, it just is the amount of time it takes for Legos, Legolas and party to find them, the, the spider thing happens. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. so it's yeah. not that he finds out magically. He actually finds out from a scout, so there's travel time involved. Well, that's, so that's true. And, I mean, the the, uh, the dwarves spend a long time in Mirkwood, but in the movie they're obviously not going to be spending that much time or well, you know, and I mean, the scout thing actually does make sense because remember we've seen them, you know, like walking through Mirkwood, you know, carrying Bomber. And if, if mm. there are scouts being sent out by the Elven King to, you know, basically just sort of, you know, guard the, you know, or find out what's going on, more than, you know, at least one scout would have seen these guys. And of course, the elves wouldn't be seen. You know, they'd be, we'll see them, you know, like a camera will show us an elf seeing them and then running off to, Yes. Well, you know, if they if they do have that deer show up, like we talked in the conundrum, right. you know, that could that could have been an elvish deer hunt. Oh, that's right. So they could have spotted the men too. the men, right? So you're going to be an A. Um, I I am actually I'm the only C so far in the group of analysts. Um, you and Dave and uh, Corey are all A's, as is Mark Fisher, mm-hmm. as is the um, the majority of the Facebook, the Riddles in the Dark Predictions page votes. Interestingly enough, Merrick and Golden Star from um, Casual Stroll to, Mo- Stroll to Mordor, Merrick has said D, <laughs> and Golden Star says B. Oh. So we okay. now officially have all four answers, you know, logged. Yeah. Well, is it time for the conundrum? I think it is. You want to let folks know what our conundrum is? I will. The conundrum this week is, will Bilbo say Adderkop or Tom Noddy during the spider sequence? <laughs> I, you know, I told Laura this before we started. It's like, if he either does one or the other, it's awesome. I mean, if yes. he does both, that's super awesome. 
but I would love to hear either one or the other. I just, I, I just, I want to hear both. I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to say it's going to be both. Just not because I think it's, it's kind of like Bayarn showing up at the Battle of Dol Guldur, you know, that that we had a couple weeks. Ago. It's not that I think that's going to happen. I just want it to happen. I know. That's all. I know. You know, I just want to hear Adderkop or Tom Noddy, especially because I was, uh, we, we were gypped out of uh, Struck by Lightning in the yes. in the first movie. So we, I want to hear some Adderkop. I want to hear some Tom Noddy. <laughs> I know, I know. And again, you know, I almost think it'll be, if he does do it, it would be a, um, a nod to the Tolkien geeks. Because, you know, I'm sure they don't expect everybody in the audience to understand that or, or bother too much to, to explain it. But it would make us very happy. It would. It would. I'm also I, – I also don't know if I've heard the word confusticate yes, yet. <laughs> but I would like to hear confusticate at least at one point in one of the three bother. movies. <laughs> be, bo- be bother would be good, but confusticate. I definitely want to hear that. <laughs> That would be great. And I could totally see Martin Freeman. That would totally make yeah. sense for him as Bilbo to say that. So, it yeah. would. It right. would. Well, so we're both going with yeses on this, right? Yes. We're both going with yes. Well, I think we've probably wound up. Anything else that you could think of about the spider sequence that either we talked about in the episode or that you want to add in? Uh, no. You know, speaking of words, I was trying to use the word qua in the episode. But... Uh, <laughs> I wasn't able to fit it in, maybe because I'm not an English professor. Yeah. Well, I just I heard I heard Corey say it, and I thought I could have worked that in somehow, but I couldn't do it. Well, it's been another wonderful. It has. I'm spent with you. I enjoy this, and yeah. um, I did mi- I did miss uh, the the Rosca Bell noises in the back. <laughs> no doggy kisses this time. No, no birds, or I don't know what all you have down there, but uh, they'll be back again for next episode. (laughs) And my little hobbit isn't here either, so just be quiet. Either, so yeah. Gosh, it's been kind of a boring one, I'm sure, for our listeners. No, no, fascinating, I'm sure. And the other thing, you know, I think with us, people have said, because, you know, one of the things about the uh, main episodes is that I tend to come out, I tend to come out louder. My sound level is higher than the other two. Hmm. But people have told me that on our episodes, because you're doing the recording, I come, I don't come out loud, that you're actually louder than I am. So that's good. So we're offsetting. Well, that's because when I go in and edit it, I make you quieter and me louder. (laughs) So everyone will listen to me. Funny. I mean, you, you know, you're the same. You and Dave are just are funny. You make me laugh. Yeah, well, I think that's a well. Problem. There you go. There you go. So, well, in the interest of not dragging things on too long, we should probably call it a night. That's right. Take us out, Miss Burkholz. Thanks for listening, and Godspeed. <laughs>